Good morning. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. Man, this may be a first. I get to do the introduction, and Phil hadn't told me at the last minute four things that I'm supposed to remind, remind y'all of. Deer camp this weekend, though. That's right. Excellent weather for this weekend. You know, I was thinking about that this morning. In Mississippi, we don't have much of a winter, but gosh, dog, man, the summers can be brutal. But the weather right now is about as good as it can be. Enjoy it for the next two or three days. That's about all we're going to get. Guys, we continue in the series of Isaiah. Broken pieces. I made a confession to y'all a few weeks ago. It's amazing to me that in the middle of struggle, in the middle of life, in the middle of thinking you have it under control, thinking you've got it going in the right direction, everything looks great, business is good, home life is good. How long can you be on that cruise control before it comes tumbling down? And I share with you this morning, out of my personal struggle, God is still king. He's still Lord. He still accepts sinners at the throne. And I am certainly thankful for that. Personally, I'm thankful for a strong family. I'm thankful for two sons who rallied around my wife and I. Two sons, one of which has grown up in a very strong group at Broadmoor with his wife. The other is not married, dating seriously, but is a product of this group. And when I say this group, I mean this group from this group, another group started called Hanger Men. And my youngest son has been involved in that Hanger group extensively for the last three or four years. And as my two boys and I sat earlier this week and talked, my youngest son looked at me and said, Dad, you know, I, I know from sitting around campfires, and sitting in driveways and sharing with other men, you're okay. You're okay. Some bad stuff going on, but you're okay. And then my older son, who took a brunt of some of my anger as a younger dad, trying to figure things out, trying to keep a business going in the early 2000s, looked at me and said, you know, Dad, 15 years ago, I would have never thought that we could sit down and have this conversation that you would be willing to listen to what we have to say. It's a journey, guys. I don't want to do it by myself. I sure hope you're not doing it by yourself. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your place on the throne. I thank you for the men in this room. I thank you for what you do here. I thank you for your son, for the work he did on the cross, for me, for all of us. Lord, I thank you that through my brokenness and my vulnerability in exposing those areas, other men have reached out, offered their own struggle. Mm -hmm. May we lean on each other, but may we always be mindful of you and keep our eyes on you, drawing closer to you each day. In your name we pray. Amen. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Morning, gentlemen. Uh, before I uh, play the song for you that I have, um, and allow uh, music uh, to be an instrument in God's hand to uh, awaken our heart to what he has for us. I want you to look at your notes, um, and I want to kind of um, do an overview of 
of what we're working through. Um, we're using Isaiah um, as kind of a, a model, a case study of what it means to walk with God. But in, in the midst of that, this idea of um, transformation, um, I have um, offered you these 19 uh, brain skills is what they're called. It's, it's like a counselor's view of what it means to be transformed by Jesus. Um, it's easy to, to hear in any of our Christian teaching, what you need is Jesus. And that's absolutely true. You need Jesus and you need more of Jesus. And then, and then when you think you've got all of Jesus that you need, you need more of Jesus. And, that, and that's the answer. But what we're doing in this um, brain skill piece and this transformation is looking at a puzzle. And rather than it being just three pieces of the puzzle, in, in, in like on this outline, three main pieces, brain skills, or actually what we need to be seeing happen in our, in our brains and in our hearts, an intimate walk with God and living in community. That's transformation. So my brain is changing, my heart is changing, I'm, I'm walking with God and I'm involved in church or I'm involved in community. That's the three pieces. That's the first grade puzzle. But in this transformation, we're, we're taking that first piece of the puzzle and breaking it down into 19 smaller pieces. And so it's, a, it's, it's small pieces of when we're growing in Christ, we're being transformed by Jesus. That's the way it looks in those 19 pieces. And so um, we started uh, several weeks ago with um, sharing joy that you cannot experience joy unless you're connected to another person. That's what the brain research shows. I can be happy in a lot of ways. I can be happy by eating a cheese pizza. That makes me happy. But I can't experience true joy unless I'm really connected to another person. When we do a brain scan of a brain experiencing joy, you, the parts of your brain that reflect joy will not light up unless you're connected to another person. A baby does not experience joy by putting him in a room by himself. You know, the baby connects to mama, to the caregiver, and joy comes on the baby's face. Then we looked at um, soothing myself or just being quiet. And I took you through an exercise last week seven steps you can pull up those notes from last week kind of look at the idea of what it means to just get quiet and and we need that you know and, and again in typical christian circles we just call that having a quiet time i i uh, when i first became a christian uh i was mentored by a guy that taught me how to journal uh, from day one i've been journaling uh for years now uh just getting quiet and in counseling terms, we call that soothe myself in, in the sense of getting quiet and learning how to get my monkey brain to stop being so chaotic. And then we talked about forming bonds of two. Uh, that's typically uh, as adult men with our wives. You've got to be able um, to have eye contact, have empathy there's a number of pieces that allow you to have an intimate relationship with one other person. Basic fundamentals. This morning, what I'm um, going to take us through is this idea of creating appreciation and creating family bonds. Now that the word choice there is critical creating. We were made to be as image bearers of God creative people create appreciation begin to be grateful create comes out of genesis chapter one in what's known as the creation mandate um you know god told adam um go rule subdue and have dominion 
over all creation. The Hebrew word there is kabosh. My grandmother, I, I grew up hearing my grandmother say, go put the kabosh on it. And I thought that was kind of funny, you know, as a three-year-old, it's like, okay, let's go put the kibosh on it, whatever in the wide, wide world of sports that means. Well, I don't know that she knew that she was speaking Hebrew, but that's a Hebrew word, kibosh. And it means to take charge, move in and be creative. I can make a difference in the world that I'm in as I bring the gospel bring the flavor of Jesus that I create an energy that's different than what the world creates. The world creates chaotic energy. And yet as the creation mandate, go put the kibosh on it. And part of the way we can put the kibosh on it is to create appreciation. You know, you know what the easiest thing is to do? Complain and bitch and moan. That's, that's so easy. That is the gravitational pull of my flesh and the world is just to be negative. And yet I've got to make a conscious decision to create appreciation, create my, uh, uh, be creatively appreciative of my wife, my family, what I have, what, what I really desire create appreciation and then we'll get into creating family bonds creating community so this morning i want to offer you a song that is one of my favorites in terms of this idea of creating appreciation uh lauren uh daigle how can it be now let me just read a portion of this how can it be ashamed of what I've done? And guys, we're getting ready to have a deer camp this weekend. We've got a full house. It'll be a great weekend. I have a feeling still it's going to be the best one ever. I just, I just know it. Best one ever. And what's going to happen is we're going to attack the gates of hell. And shame is going to turn into acceptance and men's hearts will be changed because there's going to be a, a group of men that'll show up at Ebenezer place tomorrow and they are filled with shame. Some of them don't know that they're not conscious enough to know that, but it's going to be transformed by the grace and acceptance of the collective body. I'm ashamed of what I've done, what I've become. These hands are dirty. I dare not lift them up to the Holy one. You plead my cause, you right my wrongs, you break my chains, you overcome, you gave your life to give me mine. You say that I'm free. How can it be? How can it be? Afraid I've let you down, inside I doubt that you still love me, but in your eyes, there's only grace now. Shame is overcome by large doses of exposure to grace. I've seen it happen. I'm gonna see it happen this weekend. Guys, let's create appreciation in this room. May you be grateful and appreciative this morning as we listen to this song. May God open our hearts to what he has for us this morning.
can it be? How can it be? How can it be? Creating appreciation, a creating gratitude. There's an energy in this room because we're worshiping Jesus this morning in a corporate headquarters. Thank you, Jimmy and Hugh and all of C Spire. And it's wow. We are here. Amen. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Gentlemen, pick up your handout. Let's uh, go to work this morning. Follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph. The power of relationship to restore and renovate. Isaiah 58, 12, you'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. Guys, that which you are ashamed of, that you're afraid somebody's going to find out about, that you're afraid to be exposed that's the very material that God wants to use to create something new and fresh. It's a powerful concept. I've seen it lived out hundreds of times. Restoration of our soul comes when we begin our relationship with God through his son, Jesus. 
restoration of our heart and mind continues because of this secure attached relationship. It's this connection. So much Christian teaching tends to focus on right beliefs and right choices as the key to personal growth, but biblical evidence and modern brain science show that our character is shaped more by whom we love than what we believe. Guys, I've, I have seen that lived out. I've seen godly men that can barely open their Bible. They don't know much, but I would go to war with them. Then I've seen guys that if a Bible trivia contest broke out, I'd want them on my team, but I wouldn't trust them. I wouldn't trust them because their heart's not in it. Their head's in it, you know? I love Bible trivia, but that's not what changes lives. The book of Isaiah will help us see how the promise of salvation would come through the Messiah. But in addition to bringing pardon of sin, intimate relationship with Jesus renovates us wholly, mind, will, and emotion. And guys, you need to underline that, keep pursuing that. You know, there's so much about that phrase, intimate relationship with Jesus renovates us that I don't understand, but I've gotten enough of a taste of it that I'm trying to stand up here this morning and be God's mouthpiece to alert us. That's where the gold is. There's gold in them, their hills, and we're going to dig. This study is about showing how we can train our brains to relate to God based on a joyful, mutual connection with Jesus which will lead to emotional, relational, and spiritual maturity. So this morning, the piece of the puzzle that we're looking at is creating appreciation and creating family bonds. So pick up your pen and let's do some journaling. I have three questions for you. First question that I want you to respond to with your pen What's challenging your joy and peace today? What's challenging your joy and peace? What's disrupting your life? What's robbing you? Um, John chapter 10 is very clear. Jesus came to give life and give it abundantly. But the enemy comes to steal, rob, and destroy. He's, he's attacking you right now. There's not a man in this room that's not being challenged or in some kind of struggle. Now, if you feel like that you're not, then you are clueless in Seattle. <laughs> Seen that movie, you know, clueless in Seattle. It's not a chick flick. It's a man movie. Clueless in Seattle. We're all being challenged guys. Every man is in a fight. So identifying that's important. But here's the second question. What are you appreciating this morning? What do you appreciate this morning? What do you appreciate? I really believe to the degree that we can be thankful and grateful is to the degree that we're actually fighting the war that's within us around us, outside of us. It's called worship. It's called gratitude. But if you live in that poor me, I'm a victim, you know, I'm being uh, challenged, life's so hard, she don't understand, they don't understand. Mm -mm. So what are you appreciating? And then number three, you got to identify some team members or you're in trouble. And Joe alluded to this earlier uh, very well. Joe, thank you. Who's your real family, your true team members? Now, again, I don't, I don't use those phrases or those words lightly. I, I'm serious. Who is your real family? And when I offer you that question, the words of Jesus come to my mind. You know, Jesus was teaching his disciples. And there was a knock on the door and they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are at the door. You remember that? And what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? He said, this is my mother and my brothers. How disrespectful. 
how could Jesus say that? Now, if I'd have said that, you know, I'd be in time out. You know, Jesus. And so, guys, in many ways, those who are our real family are kingdom followers, kingdom builders, and not those in our family that has the same last name. Even David, King David, shepherd boy David, was scolded when he showed up at the battlefront by his brothers. Like, you know, you little runt, what are you doing here? This is where real men are. And we're all scared to death to look at Goliath, but this is the real men. Really? And David just, you know, he didn't know enough to be afraid. I want you to turn to a partner and I want you to share number two and number three with a partner. What are you appreciative about? I want you to hear yourself just verbalize that. And then I want you to talk about a team. And if you don't have a team, just be honest. Don't lie. Don't, don't make up some name. Oh, yeah, I've got you know, Fred, Sam, and Billy. Oh, yeah, that's great. I hadn't talked to them in about 20 years, but I, yeah, I've got a team. All right. Question two and three. Pair up. gentlemen let's uh, pull back together pull back together <clears throat> it is a beautiful sight to see a room full of men engaged with one another appreciating and again anytime we're involved in appreciation and gratitude that's worship you know Everything you have is a gift from God. I mean, you, you know, you, you, you don't have what you have because you're so smart. You're not, no. Your wife knows that. She's, she's trying to tell you that. 
you and I have everything we have because it's a gift from God. And we all have a whole lot more than we deserve. And yet, you know, easiest thing to do is to, you know, bitch and moan because we don't have more. But it's like creating appreciation is an act of worship. Thank you, God. And then doing it with another person. And, and there's a difference between just sitting alone and saying, God, thank you for this. Now, now that's good. But is it not life-giving when you share that with another person? I, I mean, you, you, your body reacts physiologically different. There's endorphins that are released. There's a connection. It's creating appreciation. It's creating and sharing joy. Don't ever forget that. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Wow, this is one of the coolest passages in all of Isaiah. And many of you that wouldn't uh, know much about Isaiah uh, from a, a Bible study perspective have heard of this passage when you didn't even know it was Isaiah 6. You know the story. It's a story about God giving Isaiah an experience of meeting God in a dynamic way. My prayer this morning is that every man in this room, if we had time, could turn to your partner and share the experience of when you personally dynamically experience Jesus. Do you remember that? You experience, wow, now this is God showing up for me, in me, around me. That's what happened to Isaiah here in this, in this passage. God gave Isaiah an experience to remember that would change his life forever. Isaiah chapter one, verse one says that um, Isaiah prophesied during the reign of four kings. He started out with Uzziah. Uzziah died um, after a 55 year reign. And then Jotham, uh, his son took over. And what was tragic with Uzziah is the last four years of his 55 year reign he was a leper, and all of this is, is, is recorded in uh, First and Second Kings. He was a leper. You know, it reminds me of that scene in Braveheart where uh, uh, Robert the Bruce is meeting with his dad in the dark dungeon, and, you know, his dad has leprosy. And that must have been something like the experience of Jotham and his dad. And so... Isaiah has this experience of meeting God in a dynamic way at the end of Uzziah's reign. And of course, Isaiah went on to then um, uh, prophesy with uh, Ahaz and Hezekiah, the next two kings after Jotham. But what God has done up to this point in, in Isaiah's experience relative to Judah, the southern kingdom, is he has called them a fruitless vine. Isn't that an interesting imagery? A fruitless vine. Now, when I hear that imagery, and that's, you know, right out of uh, Isaiah chapter 2, a fruitless vine, it makes me think of John 15 in Jesus' ministry. And in John 15, Jesus uses the vine and the branches as a metaphor for what we need to be, that we need to be fruit bearers. And yet God called those in Judah because of their idolatry, uh, allegiance to foreign um, allies and their greed as fruitless vines. It's like you're not making a difference. You're fruitless. And so what happens to Isaiah is he sees the Lord an experience of coming face to face with the Lord. Pick up with me in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, 
I saw the master sitting on a throne, high exalted, and the train of his robes filled the temple. Angel seraphims hovered above him, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, their feet, and two, they flew. And they called back and forth one to the other. Holy, holy, holy is God of the angel armies. His bright glory fills the whole earth. And again, just the beauty and the splendor of God. Do you have that experience that somehow you experience God in such a personal way? It's like, wow, brought me to tears, makes me go, wow, the splendor of God. I hope you've had that experience. I, I've never had an experience like this exactly but I've had the experience of knowing that what I'm experiencing at this moment is a holy moment and God's here. God's all over this. Verse four, the foundations trembled at the sound of the angel voices and then the whole house filled with smoke. And I said, doom it's doomsday i'm as good as dead every word i've spoken is tainted blasphemous even and the people i live with talk the same way using words that corrupt and desecrate and here i've looked god in the face the king god of the angel armies what's isaiah saying he sees the splendor and beauty of god and when he comes face to face with god he says woe woe is me for i am ruined the glory of God, the holiness of God, so overpowered Isaiah that he didn't think he would survive. Then one of the angel seraphims flew to me. He held a live coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with the coal and said, look, this coal has touched your lips, gone your guilt, your sins wiped out. Guys, I've seen this happen. Not literally. I'd have to be on drugs to see it literally, you know. So, well, you know, that's, that's another whole story. But, but I've seen this happen in the sense that men's sin and shame wiped away as if an angel came down and put a hot coal on a man's lip and his guilt was gone his shame removed i've seen that i hope you've seen that i hope you remember when it happened to you god gave isaiah this real life three-dimensional experience and what he's communicating to us through this passage and this experience of isaiah is that's what he wants for us, is that we would have the experience as if an angel touched our lips with a hot coal and our sins and our shame was removed. Forgiveness, sweet forgiveness. And then I heard the voice of the master, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I spoke up. I'll go, send me. Changed his life. Sins forgiven, shame removed, and now he is ready. Who are we going to send? You know, a few minutes before that, what do you think Isaiah's response would have been? Who will go? You know, you know how it works in, in a room and you ask for volunteers? And all you see is the top of, top of somebody's head. Don't look at him. Exactly. Send him. But Isaiah's heart and life had been changed. He could have responded, how can I not go? How can I not go? I can't not not go. And then he said, Go and tell this people, listen hard, for you aren't going to get it. Look hard, but you won't catch on. Make these people blockheads with fingers in their ears and blindfolds on their eyes so they won't see a thing. 
won't hear a word, so they won't have a clue about what's going on. And yes, so they won't turn around and be made whole. Now that's quite a commission. God commissions them and said, you know, they ain't going to get it. So power on, brother. It's like, really, dude? You mean I'm going to go out there and play the game and we're going to lose? Yeah, have fun. Who was it that said recently, go get them? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go get them. How about that? No, it, it's like Isaiah's commissioned, and the fruit is not up to Isaiah. Now, again, if you want, uh, you know, a kind of a alliteration on this, Isaiah in in verse five, he comes under convictions. He's convicted. Woe is me. And then, and then there's a story to be told. You could call it confession. My story, because I'm a man of unclean lips. Tell your story. Tell your story. I've heard hundreds of stories of broken men. But where do you tell your story? Most of us sit in rooms like this and we're afraid somebody's going to find out our story. What Isaiah is saying, I am a man of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king. My eyes have seen the king. When I see Jesus, I tell my story. And then this idea of the cleansing, you know, the angel puts the hot coals and his sin and his guilt is taken away and he experiences forgiveness. There's a cleansing that takes place. And then when that cleansing takes place, I mean, read Psalm 32. It's like, you know, I kept it all in, my burn, uh, my bones turned to dust, but when I told it all, then I became free. And that's what happens in this consecration. Here I am, send me. And then he's commissioned and God says, go, go, go. Isaiah gives us such a case study of a man who's had a personal experience with Jesus, with God, and it changes his life. Could you tell me that experience that you've had? Maybe you're here this morning and you've forgotten it. You know, it's just it's cutting calloused over. It, um, it's there. But through the hardness of our hearts is what Hebrews said. It's like a callus forms over our heart and we have forgotten what God's done in our life, who we are. But we're reminded that God gives us an experience with him in order to commission us to go and build a kingdom. That's what our life is about. So part of this transformation puzzle that we're working with is this idea, once again, of creating appreciation. So once again, this idea of creating appreciation, uh, as we've talked about already, is this high levels of an emotional state of appreciation that uh, begins to, 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 to change the way we experience life. Grateful, grateful, grateful. I appreciate, I appreciate, I appreciate. There is something in our hearts that changes, in our brains that change when we engage in high levels of appreciation. So as we have experienced Jesus, as we've come to Jesus, should we not be appreciative? Catch yourself. When you're negative um, and you're complaining and you're blaming, you are controlled by the enemy himself. Turn off the news. Quit talking to your aunt. It's always aunt negative. Whomever it is, you know, surround your people. Uh, uh, surround yourself with people that are grateful. Because we've got to create a family team. Now, the best way that I can um, uh, teach this to you is show it to you. I want to show you a, a, a clip, and, and you'll understand when you see this clip. 
This is what building a family team looks like. Watch this. Six times three. three times, put your helmet on the ground, you're done. Two minutes, you don't make it! You do it again! You've been tested this hard ever in your life. Never. Winning here is a conscious decision. Make up your mind whether you want to pass or choose to fail. Gentlemen, I'm going to introduce y'all to something called not being able to breathe. Andrew, come back. Come back to the light. Take all this shaking and all this cold, harness it, turn it into aggression. Guys, that's the uh, opening uh, scenes of the movie Lone Survivor. Most of you have seen that movie, but I believe that's a picture of heaven. I believe that that's what it's going to look like when we get to heaven and we can all celebrate. We made it. We survived. We went through the training. We fought the war together. We encouraged one another. We cared for one another. We supported one another. We lived in a family bond, and we're now here for all of eternity. Picture of heaven. Wow. Wow. Guys, this morning, I want you to be able to identify, number one, that you have had a personal experience with the living Lord that has changed your life. Can you identify that? Guys, that's it's critical. I'm a Jesus follower because he found me. I didn't clean my life up. Quite, <laughs> quite the contrary. He found me. Just like he came to Isaiah and touched Isaiah, the angel touched Isaiah's lips and he was guilt-free and he was forgiven. That's a picture of salvation of what Jesus does. Can you identify that experience that you are a Jesus follower? If so, my hope is, number two, that you live in daily appreciation. Bad things happen to good people, no doubt. I would never want to sit with you and minimize the struggle and the challenges that you're going through. Those are real. But what the Bible teaches us is to be grateful, even in the midst of suffering. Are you grateful this morning, appreciative? I hope that's your default. And then number three, 
you've got to get on a team. That picture that we saw on the video is like, that's life. That's not just Navy SEALs. That's like a picture of what it looks like for us. I, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can make it. Come on. Come on. Encouragement. Care. And that brings honor and glory to the Lord Jesus. Glad you're here. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you uh, so much um, for your word. Thank you for the model of Isaiah. Thank you for uh, giving us time this morning to reflect and be a little bit more attuned to you. And I pray all this day, Lord, we would walk in such a way that we would bring honor to your name and that we would bring the fragrance of, uh, fragrance of Jesus to those that we sit with and come in contact with. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, guys.